Senior executives know that to stay on top of your game, you need to constantly challenge and develop yourself. IMI's new senior executive experience delivers future-focused learning. Gain invaluable tools and insights in areas like organisation resilience and digital transformation to shape the future of your organisation. Visit imi.ie for details. Welcome everyone to another edition of the IMI Talking Leadership Podcast. Today I'm joined by Jay Chopra, who is a former Fortune 100 executive specialising in leadership development, team development, and the creation of innovative, inclusive work cultures. Jay is the Managing Director of the Making a Shift Happen Boutique Consultancy and also a faculty member here at IMI. Jay recently presented a webinar for our IMI members focusing on creativity. So today we're going to explore some of the ways that you can build creativity within your team. Jay, if you could introduce yourself to our listeners and tell us a little bit about your interest in creativity. Yeah, absolutely, Farah. Great, great to be on. Great to be on the podcast with you, and thank you for the lovely introduction. So, yeah, look, you've introduced me uh, a lot there. I guess the only thing I'd add is I sort of like to specialize in improving performance by making work more human, and that's part of this sort of fascination with that is is around creativity and, and innovation. I suppose I. From a creativity and innovation perspective, I, I reported to the head of innovation for Pfizer Global Supply, which is about a third of Pfizer, um, which is, I think, a third of about 100, 120,000 people. So our role really, when I did that role out of, out of the state, out of New York for, for about six years, was to basically um, create a culture of innovation, top down and bottom up across the worldwide footprint of manufacturing sites within within Pfizer. And I'm sure a lot of those methodologies and approaches came in useful during the development of uh, the vaccine in, in, in recent years. So, yeah, I mean, really have had a chance to play with creativity and innovation on a, on a very macro scale. So and, and I've seen the, the good, the bad and the ugly um, from a from a creativity and innovation perspective, Farah. So that's just adding a little bit more context around um, around myself. And, and I guess, look, from a creativity and innovation perspective, I think we need it now more than ever, kind of in, in the world we're in, in this with the way technology is driving change. There's obviously the war in the world driving change from a big picture perspective coming out of the pandemic. So I think we're waking up now with problems every day that we didn't have yesterday and tapping, tapping into our creativity and innovation will will help us come up with new solutions for our new world, you know? So that's, yeah, that, that, that's me kicking it off from my side anyway, Far. Thanks very much, Jay. It's great to get that background into everything you've done innovation wise. And I'm sure that within your role in Pfizer and within all of your other roles, you've helped a lot of people to become comfortable with being a little bit more creative. And that really plays into something that you mentioned on the webinar about needing new ways of thinking for the new world that we're in. So how can people get a bit more comfortable with being creative within their organizations or within their daily roles? Yeah, well, Farah, I think the, the first thing really is, is, is thinking, of, it's not about learning to be creative or innovative. I think for many of us, it's about, it's about relearning. And, and, and really, when we talk, talk during the webinar, we probably talked um, about, you know, who are the most creative people we all know. And we, we we're looking for the answer of children, really, because I know my own little daughter just a couple of weeks ago, um, I, t- I said, oh, we're going to have a big use surprise tomorrow, you know. So she came down the stairs 
and there was this big huge tv in the front room and she ignored it and went to play with the with the with the uh, styrofoam and thought that was the new surprise the styrofoam and she was playing with it and being creative with it and had really no interest in the tv so i think we have that natural curiosity and and, and playfulness when when we're kids that that helps our creativity so so if, for many of us, we lost that when we had to comply within school systems, within education systems, etc. So I think it's about relearning it. And, and the first step in terms of re-tapping into creativity and innovation, we often say to people, you know, where do you get your best ideas? And that's a really, really nice place to start. And, and the answer is usually people say, oh, you know, we get our best ideas in the shower or when I'm out for a walk or, or when I'm, you know, when I'm uh, talking to friends or whatever. And trying to use that place where we get our best ideas to start retapping into creativity and innovation from a work perspective is, is, is really important. And, you know, nobody ever answers that question, where do you get your best ideas with when I'm sending out emails or rarely people ever say at work either, which is interesting because when we're at work, we're in this what we call busy beta brainwave, where our brainwaves are moving so quick, we don't really have much space literally in our brains for creating uh, new ideas. But when we relax, when we're in those relaxed states of like uh, almost mimicking playfulness, but we're relaxed, we're, we're chilling out, we're talking, where, you know, it could be a social situation. As I say, could we go for a walk? Could we go for a run? Could we drive in the car when we're, when we're in that more relaxed state and our, and our, and our conscious brain is sort of distracted, we get more access to the, to the subconscious mind and more access to ideas. And we call that the, uh, we're down in the alpha brainwave then and that alpha brainwave we're really trying to that's where we have space to get those aha moments and when we're a bit more relaxed and we have space so so really trying to use if people get their best ideas when they're out for a walk then why not try and use that to solve real business problems you have and get up from the desk and go and walk around or, or whatever you know so so it really is about relearning it and and look there, there's some and I mentioned the word playfulness, but there's some companies that use playfulness, obviously, as a as a business strategy, just like Google and things like that. So that people are more relaxed and in the alpha brainwave and and getting a support, you know, more more ideas, I suppose, really, Farah, you know. Thanks very much, Jay. It's interesting to hear about getting your best ideas in the shower or while you're taking a drive and not necessarily when you're focusing on needing to be creative. And I want to link that back to something that you mentioned on the webinar. So you mentioned that Maltese psychologist and physician Edward de Bono says that creative thinking is not a talent. It's a skill that can be learned. And when I first heard that, I thought, I'm not sure I agree with that, because I would always think that some people are naturally more creative than others. Some people are more technical, and we all have these different niches. But I guess creativity is not necessarily needing to be Shakespeare or Picasso or Lady Gaga, but rather having these moments of inspiration and drawing on innovation rather than what we always think creativity is. So do you think that everyone can actually become creative if they want to be? Yeah, I know it's an interesting, it's a really interesting question. And I do agree with actually Edward de Bono's um, quote. And funnily enough, about 2011, when I worked for Pfizer, we actually had a masterclass uh, in the IMI with, with Edward de Bono. It was just a privately run thing, but we hosted it at the IMI that day. So that's just, just coincidentally, he subsequently passed away. But yeah, I do agree. I, I'm familiar with his work around lateral thinking and using different tools for lateral thinking and the, and the six thinking hats and all that good stuff. But 
to to get to your question like yeah absolutely i i do believe as again again when we ask people who are the creative people who are the most creative people we all know and really we're trying to get it that's kids and then when we're in the class we say hands up who was ever a kid you know everyone says oh everyone laughs and go oh yeah i was a child of course yeah i so, so i think it's a, i think that some of us have kept on to that childlike creativity and some of us have become a little bit more serious serious and have lost some of that creativity and actually i think the bono had a book as well called why so serious <laughs> as a guy interestingly enough so so look i mean there, i think the how how we're creative differs for people and if you look at this really interesting brain model called the herman brain dominance instrument it basically spits the brain into four quadrants so we've got the upper left brain and the lower left brain the upper right brain and the lower right brain so the upper left brain is all about logic and people who operate predominantly out of the upper left brain like to look at trends and data and they have their aha moments from trends and data they might go i've got it i've got this insight i've got this aha moment from this trend through an analysis so that's a way that you can have ideas through analysis if you're analytically minded the lower left brain is very much process driven so it's like you've got to make it safe for me to innovate so i need to know the four steps and then i'll go on the journey with you so what's step one of innovation or creativity step two step three step four so they need a process and once they have the process they feel safe and then they will go on the on the creativity and innovation journey and then when you go over to the right brain the lower right brain is all about feelings and interpersonal relationships and those folks really like to talk to people and by talking to other people that's where they get their best ideas and ultimately tap into their creativity and innovation and then folks that operate out of their upper right brain we call that sort of the creative quadrant but they 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 generally like just have lots of imaginative ideas just you know i suppose almost just um habitually and, and really trying to touch, tap into that imagination piece so there are different hows in terms of how different people you know create and innovate and 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 none of us just operate out of one of those brain segments but um, we do operate largely out of one or two, and therefore they'd be our preferred ways of creating and innovating. So when when we sort of explain this to logical people, they, they really get it. And a lot of the work I've done over the years, both within Pfizer and subsequently with many other organizations, it would be more creative thinking and innovation for for logical people. And and, and there's, there's different equations that we'd use. Uh, for example, innovation equals identify the opportunity multiplied by get insights to understand the problem multiplied by generate ideas multiplied by impact which is choosing the top ideas so in, in that piece when you have an equation and then we say okay we need to behave in certain ways as we work through that equation and we often talk uh, about that equation and similar equations being the engine and then the behaviors we need to exhibit as we work through those um, various steps being the oil to the engine so that we show up in the right way to be creative and to be reductive as well when we need to be working through that process so there's definitely there's definitely a science to it and there's and and when we make it logical and break it down into equations and steps i think it resonates with people far you know it makes it a lot more doable in inverted commas i think that's so interesting to hear because i think it's so counterintuitive to think that equations and creativity go together but it makes so much sense when you break it down in that way and I would challenge all of our listeners to think about which of those brain segments they fit into when it comes to their creativity and maybe that can help them 
really start to channel their innovative thinking a lot more. So if we accept that creativity is, in fact, a skill that can be developed, there are a number of creative behaviors which we need to try to embody so that we can set ourselves along the right path. And I think that when we're in meetings, we've all heard phrases like, that will never work. We need to be realistic. This is how we've always done things around here. And those are really creativity killers. So if we were to flip things around, how can we be really conscious to not say some of these phrases and what can we replace them with to try to foster the creativity rather than just killing it immediately? Yeah, that's that's a great question, Farah. And I, I, I definitely think uh, we're all guilty of, of, of judging ideas too early uh, at meetings, right? Whether you hear people say, you know, you know, let's play devil's advocate, blah, 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 blah. And there's times to play devil's advocate, but where a lot of us get it wrong is that we've always got to go expansive, then create a concept, then judge it. But often what we do is before a concept can be formed, we sort of whack-a-mole the idea. We've tried it before, show me the ROI, blah, 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 blah. But we don't even have a concept built out. And, and metaphorically, it's like if I give you two seeds, one's a seed for a rose and one's a seed for a weed. How do we know which is which? The only way to know which is which is by planting them, allowing them to grow, and then ultimately making a judgment to say, this is the rose and this is the weed. It's the same way with ideas. We got to nurture the seedling. So, so you mentioned a few behaviors. So, so the first behavior, if you like, is what I like to call indicating. So we've got to indicate to people at the meeting that we're now in the expansive phase. We're going to try and create some concepts. Yes, we will judge them, but later. It's okay to judge things, but we need to form them first. So once we indicate to people that this is the expansive phase, then what we want to do is we want to spark new ideas. So we want to think outside the box. And, and like there's different tools we can use to, to help people think outside the box. It's different ones like Wildest Idea, some of the ones we use. I mentioned the Six De Bono thinking hats. There's also the Disney creativity strategy. There's um, tools called wishing. There's co- tools called superheroes. There's lots of different tools we can use just to get us thinking outside the box. The reason we need to think outside the box is because we've got a business world that's trying to think harder. And what we've got to do is think differently by using the stimulus to give us new ideas. And that's what we call sparking. So once we've indicated, then we spark new ideas. And then to your point, we've got to we've got to sort of fuel them. So we've got to take that spark and allow the ideas to catch fire, create a concept before we judge it. And like if it's useful. I can give a practical example of the use of one of those tools, Farah, to kind of, you know, um, make it more real for the listeners. Do you think, would that be useful? Yes, absolutely. I think we could chat a little bit about the wildest idea concept, because I found that one really interesting on the webinar. Yeah, absolutely. You actually read my mind, Farah. Would you believe that? I was thinking something similar myself, right? So, for example, you could say, you could say to people, you know, you could be in the session and again, you say, look, you explain it. We've indicated we're gone expansive. Let's use the wildest idea tool. OK, so now the, the wildest idea. So let's just say we're we're trying to come up with a wild idea to uh, just pretend we're on the leadership team for Ryanair. OK, so we're on the leadership team for Ryanair and somebody says we're, we're having a brainstorming session 
and we need to come up with new ways of generating revenue. And in the middle of the brainstorming session, somebody says, I have an idea. Let's put seats on the wings of a plane. Now, if we're really honest, we're going to, our reaction to that would probably not be that positive. People will probably be saying, oh my God, it's not safe. It's not realistic, blah, 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 blah. But, but if I'm running the, one of these sessions or somebody who's, who's skilled at, at, at sort of creativity and innovation and building ideas, they'll actually say, this is brilliant because this is outside our normal way of thinking. No, we're not thinking harder. We're thinking differently. So you take that crazy idea, seats on the wings of the plane, and you say, okay, I'm going to, I'm going to fuel this idea by asking two questions. One, what are the positives in this idea? And two, how else can these ideas, how else can those positives be achieved? So let's do that. So what, so I might ask people, what are the positives of having seats on the wings of a plane? And they might say, uh, fresh air, great view, no noisy kids, et cetera, et cetera, et cetera. And what you do is you take each of those one by one and you say, how else can we achieve this positive of seats on the wings of a plane? in a more tangible way. So let's take one. So you might say to people, okay, how can we achieve having no noisy kids on a plane without putting seats on the wings of the airplane? And what people might say to that is, actually, why don't we have adult-only flights? And straight away, you're into a concept where a business case can be built around. And then you can judge that business case around a number of criteria like, Ease of implementation, cost of implementation, you know, will the customer love it, et cetera, et cetera, et cetera. But if we didn't go crazy to seats on the wings of an airplane, we'd have never got so quickly to a commercial potential commercial offering around adult only flights, which I don't which I honestly don't understand why we don't have. Um, so but look, just as an example, hopefully that makes sense. So when you get something crazy, you're not saying you're going to do it. You're going to say, hang on, we're outside our normal frame of reference. Let's look for the positives in it. And then how else can we achieve those positives? And you're into something really tangible there. So rather than thinking harder, as I say, we're thinking more diversely. And then when we fuel that um, using those two questions, we're into real ideas that have potential business value quickly as well. And it's also fun. So does that does that bring back memories from the webinar fire? Does that does that land with you? Does that make sense? Yes, it does. And I know we chatted about a similar example at the time. And it really struck me that I think when you're going into a brainstorming session or you're looking for some new ideas, you can't be afraid to just say something, even if it sounds completely ridiculous, because you will get back to the point where it will have real business value at some point once you've kind of distilled everything. And I want to hear a little bit more from you about a concept that you mentioned briefly, and that is expansive thinking versus reductive thinking. So we touched on it during the webinar and we said that both kinds of thinking are really important when you're being creative and when you're looking to innovate within your business. So can you give us a bit of an overview as to what expansive thinking is and what reductive thinking is? Yeah, absolutely, Farah. Yeah. So, I mean, expansive thinking is the type of thinking I was just talking about there in terms of you know, really thinking outside the box and in a non-linear way. So it's kind of anything goes, you're in that wildest idea wishing space. And there's a time for that in the business world. It might only be 5% of the 100% of the time we spend in the business world. And obviously the other 95% of the time, we're probably head, head down getting things done as we should be, right? But the, the thing about expansive thinking is when we're there, we need to fully go there. 
And that's why we indicate that we're going to the expansive phase and we get everyone in that mindset. And then at a certain point, we say, okay, that's enough of expansive thinking. Just And then we, we got to go reductive. And when we go into the reductive thinking, we're thinking about judging the idea. Now, here, here's, the, here's the kicker. As you say, both types of thinking, expansive and reductive thinking, are really important to the innovation process. So we got to be expansive to get new valuable ideas. And we got to be reductive at the right time so that actually the, the ideas will work in the real world and have real tangible business value. But the kicker is you can't have expansive and reductive thinking happening at the same time. They mix like oil and water. In other words, they don't mix at all effectively. So when we've got to indicate then, which was the behavior I said, we've got to indicate when we're going expansive and creating concepts and indicate when we're going reductive and, and judging ideas. If we're not using that sort of indicating between expansive and reductive thinking, you'll often get conflict in meetings because one person's trying to think big while the other person is going to judge. And that's what, like, what you alluded to earlier when people say, oh, we've tried it before, show me the ROI. That's all really good stuff, but it should only be in the reductive phase of the brainstorm. We got, we got to have the expansive phase first. So it's not that we've got to spend loads of time in the expansive phase, but when we're there, I think we've got to go all in there so that we then have real good concepts to judge using our, our valuable rational thinking. But at least we're using it to you know, to, to judge good concepts then to ensure they'll work um, as opposed to sort of whack a mole ideas be before they're ready to be judged. So that's, that, that's the piece around expansive and reductive thinking. And that alone can be a game changer just in terms of having time for big ideas and then time for judging them, if you get me. Thank you so much, Jay. I definitely think there's a lot that's come out of today's conversation that our listeners can go off and actually do in a practical sense when they're having these brainstorming sessions or when they're looking to innovate within their organizations. So if you're listening to this, I would challenge you to put one of these ideas or one of these concepts into action the next time you're in a team meeting and do come on to LinkedIn and leave us some feedback and let us know how the wildest idea concept turned out for you and if you have an amazing innovation in your organization as a result. So thank you, Jay, for joining us today on the IMI Talking Leadership podcast. And thank you to everyone for listening. There's one more episode coming up in the Creativity and Innovation series, and that will be due out on the 12th of September with Ian Kierens. So do subscribe on SoundCloud or your preferred podcast provider to ensure that you don't miss an episode. Until next time.